Welcome to the Clear Admit MBA Admissions Podcast. I'm Graham Richmond, and this is your Wiretaps for Monday, January 9th, 2023. I'm joined by Alex Brown from Cornwall, England. Alex, how are things going? Very good. Thank you, Graham. So I'm still feeling sorry a little bit for the candidates who are like were cramming their applications in last week. I mean, there's so many deadlines last week, um, except for our friend who you will recall works for the football club in, in the UK, who remember she had told us she applied everywhere before the holidays. So there are people out there, I guess, who right. get this stuff in. But for most of us, it's like last week would have been challenging, but we're not done, right? So can you take us through... What's on tap for this week in terms of admissions deadlines for round two? Yeah, Monday and Tuesday this week, or, or I should say today and tomorrow this week, um, it's Ross um, um, Goizada, Keenan Flagler at have round two deadlines. Cambridge Judge has its round three deadline. Kellogg, um, Cornell, Johnson, ISC have round two deadlines, and INSEAD has a round three deadline this week. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So another bu- busy week. Uh, and then MIT, I'm guessing you're going to tell me is like next week. Yes. <laughs> they always sit there way at the end. Very smart strategy, um, I think, on their part. So, yeah. um, all right. So, yeah, it's been a real blitz of, of deadlines. And I, you know, hopefully. Some of our listeners are breathing a sigh of relief if they've got everything in and, and others are almost done. And then, then you get to sit back and, and wait for hopefully interview invitations in some cases and all the kind of fun <laughs> next steps. Speaking of getting apps in though, we did on the website run uh, an admissions tip, which I'm hoping everyone has read. It's just called five questions you should ask yourself before submitting an optional essay. So that's a really important tip. I think, you know, an optional essay takes up the time of the admissions reader, and so you always want to be mindful of that. And there are a number of things to consider as you go about putting that together. But in any event, so check out that admissions tip on the website. We also have been getting like a literal flood of interview reports from people, I guess, who had interviewed in round one and are trying to kind of pay it forward to the next group of candidates who are going to be interviewing here in, in round two. So you can always look at the Clear Admit interview archive and get access. It's free um, to read all these reports from candidates about the questions they were asked and how they felt that it went. Um, But Alex, I do have an employment report, another one (laughs) this week from Columbia Business School. So these have all been, as our listeners know, who tune in every week. I mean, these have been coming uh, out, you know, in droves. I mean, all the schools have been getting them out. It's it's kind of that time of year. And and we love to kind of pull them apart and, and just break them down for our listeners. So Alex, I'll do the usual here. I will give you the basic facts and figures and look for your input. Uh, do you want to take a guess as to the starting salary, the median salary for Columbia? Uh, 175. That's it. Yeah. Right on the nose. So $175,000. Yeah. Median salary. It was only 150 last year. I say only 150. Um, so nice, nice jump for them. Uh, three months out after graduation, 95% of those looking for work had a job offer. Um, and it was like 94% last year. So, so good numbers there. They have a median uh, signing bonus of $30,000. That seems to be the norm across all business schools this year. They also did share some interesting information and in they told us that there were 865 graduates in the class of 22 and that 105 of them were sponsored. So they were just going back to their you know, employer and not looking for work as a result. There were 27 students in that group who launched their own business and that leaves about 733, if my math is correct, who were looking for work. Um, so that just gives you a sense of like what portion of the class is actually out there looking. And in terms of what industries people went into, 
We've got financial services leading the way with just about 37%. That's up a tick. It was 36% last year. Um, I did want to mention when you look at that financial services placement, we did get some breakdown information from Columbia. So about 17% of that 36 or 30, I guess it's 37% um, went to iBanking. 8% went to asset management, another 8% went to private equity and venture capital. And I assume there's some additional numbers that went to other kind of financial services related jobs, but that just gives you a sense of the breakdown. So banking, asset management, and, and PEVC, uh, 33% of the class went into consulting. That's pretty much flat from last year. And then they sent 16% into technology and media. That's down just a tick from 17% the year prior. They did send 3.6% into real estate. That's off. Um, it was 4.5% last year. And they sent 2.6% into healthcare, which takes over the fifth slot as the most popular industry from manufacturing, which last year was in fifth place with 4.1%. So that's it on Columbia, um, Alex. And the reason I say that's it is because they do not share geographic placement data. So I have no idea what percentage of their student body went and worked internationally what percentage stayed in the U.S. And, and within the U.S. where they landed. Um, for some reason, Columbia does not share that information. For some reason or because it's <laughs> going to be heavily weighted to New York City? Yeah, it's probably 80% stayed in New York or something. I, I don't know what the number is, but they don't share it. And I, I don't yeah. know why. I mean, it's, I guess they're, they're worried that they're going to look less um, geographically diverse than, say, Harvard or Wharton or something. But I mean, they do talk a lot about the New York advantage and yeah. how great New York is. So it's kind of a, I don't know. I mean, I'm guessing the numbers are very similar to NYU where it's like 80 some percent or something yeah. stay in the Northeast. So, but yeah. What do you think of these numbers though, in terms of the rest of it? Well, the average starting salary obviously is not a surprise. Um, I'm assuming actually that Stern came very close to that. So that's quite interesting that both top yeah. programs in New York were around 175. I think that's um, right. Um, average salary. They're one of the very few schools where finance tops the list um, in terms of um, careers um, with con consulting backing it up. I don't remember if Stern does that. Maybe Stern does that too. Um, but, but yeah, with a high proportion going into finance, it's not surprising that the average starting salary is really, really high. And Assuming the majority of those folks are working in New York City, again, the, the pay package there would be very high. So, so yeah, no real surprises there, Graham. Yeah, I mean, the one thing for me that was a little interesting, and I think some of this is just a function of that big financial services um, group, you know, that, that in terms of the, the portion of the student body going into that domain, is that the tech figure sort of stayed flat. I mean, it went down 1%. Whereas we've seen larger drops at other schools. But I think, again, because Columbia already has a very nice portion going into finance and then another big chunk into consulting, I guess tech wasn't sort of like vying for second place ever on their list anyway, right? So right. it's kind of a smaller um, portion to begin with. Uh, also, I think location plays a little bit of a role in here. I mean, I think they're a little bit insulated because New York has so many opportunities um, for them to send people into. So in any event, yeah, very good numbers, obviously. Yeah, that starting, I, I can't even believe it. it just feels, I don't know, it feels to me like it, I know I'm dating myself, but I just feel like $100,000 starting salary coming out of business school used to be kind of the norm. And that was like, wow, that's a really good salary. But now it's, we're like heading towards 200. I mean, it's really yeah. amazing. I don't know. Yeah. Some of it's inflation, some of it's just the job market, but we'll see how it all plays out. 
Uh, let's get into our candidates. I did have a couple of housekeeping things. We are doing two events on deferred enrollment. If you know anyone who's a current undergraduate student and is thinking about getting an MBA, these are like must tune in events. They're on February 1st and February 8th. And we're going to sit down on February 1st with Berkeley, Tepper, Wharton, UVA, Darden, and Yale. And then on February 8th, we're sitting down with Columbia, uh, Chicago, Stanford, MIT, and Harvard. And we're just going to be talking about their deferred enrollment programs where college students can apply and, and lock in a spot in the MBA program and then go off and work for a couple of years and come into school. Uh, I guess they have two to five years or so um, to come and, and take that slot. So if you want to sign up, you go to bit.ly forward slash defer 23. That's D-E-F-E-R two, the number two, number three. Um, so join us for that. Uh, I guess we, Alex, we haven't had any reviews of late. So if anyone's listening and feels like writing a review, we'll always take a review or at least rate us. I know a lot of people listen on Spotify. They don't take reviews, but they do allow you to rate the show. So please give us a rating if you can. And you can always email us at info at clearadmit.com. Use the subject wiretaps. Uh, Alex, anything else or should we get into this week's applicants? Let's kick off. All right, so this is Wiretaps candidate number one. So our first candidate for the week comes from an apply wire entry that you selected, Alex. And this candidate has seven schools on the target list. Those schools are Harvard, MIT, Stanford, UCI Mirage, UCLA Anderson, Wharton, and Vanderbilt. This candidate is not applying um, now. They're going to apply next year and look to start in 24. They are, the bulk of their pre-MBA career, which has been very non-traditional, um, has been as an army ranger. And after business school, they're thinking about consulting uh, and then on into technology. So in the short term, with respect to consulting, they've got Accenture, Bain, BCG, McKinsey on their list. Their GPA at university, uh, for the time being, they're actually not done with the university, but this is going to be a very interesting <laughs> discussion. But for the time being, their GPA is a 3.9. And they have 13 years of work experience. They're located in Los Angeles, and they'd love to stay in Southern California um, or potentially the Pacific Northwest or Austin or Nashville. So they got a, kind of a broad um, you know, list, but it's really West and South, right, in terms of what they're considering, in terms of a destination. Um, the reason this candidate is interesting, and I'm assuming you picked them out, Alex, is because they, you know, they dropped out of high school. And I'll just read this bit. They say, dropped out of high school, in 2009, and they were working as a cashier for a tour company. They got promoted, um, ended up, um, you know, doing doing some hitting some pretty nice milestones in their in their work. They then moved on to a printing company, working as an operations manager, and then they moved into the military. Enlisted in the army, and they passed a selection into a special operations unit, the 75th Ranger Regiment, and then they deployed. So this person, you know, has spent time in Iraq, Afghanistan. Um, it sounds like they've had a really interesting military career. They just got out of the military and have been completing their college degree, which they'd started, I guess, part-time while they were in the military. And now they're working in earnest to finish it. I guess they're currently a junior and they'll be done next year. And as I said, they have a 3.9 at Cal State Fullerton, Fullerton I think it is. Um, they haven't taken a test, Alex, and, and they're going to. But their big question to us was, you know, what do we think of this candidacy? I mean, kind of high school dropout to military to kind of completing college, to doing some of these things kind of in reverse order. And also they're 31 now and they, you know, would be like 33 as a 
business students. So they're wondering if they should do a two-year program or, or one year and, and what our thoughts are there. So I'll stop. Um, yeah, what do you make of this, Alex? Yeah, I mean, this is definitely a, a, a different type of candidate that we have featured before and, and they, they made that point. So I was like, yeah, um, yeah. It, it, it does make for an interesting um, profile. Um, and what I would say is I think this test score um, is going to be really important. Um, so, so yeah, they, 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 they're getting their undergraduate um, degree now. They're, they're tracking a 3.9, that's very good, um, and so forth. But I think really um, with the types of schools they've got on their target list, they're really going to have to deliver on that test score. Um, and then they can, they can have a really interesting narrative, I think, in terms of, um, you know, someone who's, you know, made some decisions early in their life and that had some um, potential consequences or whatever it was, dropping out of high school, but they found a little bit of a rhythm um, in, you know, working um, in, 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 the, in the tour company and then working in operations management um, and, and, and so forth. Um, and seemed to do quite well, and then enlisted in the army. And what's what's um, going to be important for them to do is do a really good job of articulating why they made these decisions, i.e. why did they then decide that the army was the best place for them. Um, and, and then, it, again, it seems to me that they've really sort of um, come into themselves during their career in the army. Looks like they've done very well. Um, and then gone back to pursue their undergraduate degree to get that complete. Um, so so I, I think there's a lot of opportunity for a candidate like this, but they're going to have to do a really good job with, with, the, with the whys behind the, the sort of decisions they made and be very open and upfront about this decision to drop out of high school yeah. um, and so forth. You've got to own it, right? Own your decisions and articulate those decisions. Um, and to me, it looks like this is a candidate that has sort of um, ultimately done very well and um, is setting themselves up. And hopefully they really can deliver on the test score um, to, to provide them some really, really interesting um, opportunities. I This whole debate, whether it should be one year or two years, um, I do think that they should look at a more traditional MBA, um, two years, um, get the internship. Um, I'm assuming they're kind of rushing through their undergraduate experience a little bit, given the, the, the time frame in which they're doing their undergrad. So, you know, if they do get to a top tier MBA program, do it the right way. Get it two years yeah. and, and, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that um, two-year program makes more sense to me because they're still going to be in effect transitioning from military to private sector. Yeah, and and I think they an internship will help. And they're a little bit older, so I, I think getting their foot in the door with an internship will really help them. You know, I think it'll be easier for a company to take a risk on an older candidate and bring them in at that age and then see, wow, this person's terrific and then make them the full-time offer as opposed to a cold offer that would be required in a one-year program for full-time. So I, yeah, I, I think that's, that's the answer on that. I did want to mention, I mean, they have good outside activities too. They're an avid camper that, you know, they're, they're part of the adventure club on the campus where they're studying. And they also, um, it sounds like they do some stuff, um, I guess they, they box that. Yeah. They, I'm not worried about extracurriculars. I mean, they have a bunch of things they're doing. 
I did think that, you know, like you, the test is going to be important because it helps to level set. Yes. You know, it's just going to be. So if they come out with a great, you know, result on the test, then suddenly I would say, yeah, this is a really intriguing story. And why not apply to the Whartons and Harvards and, you know, the schools they have on their list? Um, if things fall flat, I mean, the good news is they have a little bit of a variety of schools on their list, right? So um, yeah. the one school that's not on their list, and they mention Austin as a destination, but they don't have UT Austin McCombs on their list. So I would, depending on how things go, you know, they're, they're going to have to think about this list and and, and what, what makes most sense in light of the test score and everything. I, I, I would also, I might want to flesh this list out a little bit too, because you've got Harvard and, and, and Stanford and Wharton, right? So you've got the top three. Yeah. And then you've got Sloan. Mm -hmm. um, and then you've got a bit of a gap there to Anderson and, and Owen and, yeah. and, and Mirage. Um, so the, there's several really good programs that would fit between Sloan and Anderson that they might want to look at because that might be their sweet spot, that yeah, sort of that's top fair. 16 tier. Yeah. Um, so. Um, might, you, they, they might want to explore that a little bit further. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about, um, I mean, you know, Duke and Darden both do yeah, fairly well exactly. with placements out west and in the south. And so, anyway, things to consider. I, I do, I really like this candidacy. I also did want to mention, they left us a note that said that they found the podcast earlier this year. And, and I guess they wrote this before the new year hit, maybe. And they said that um, they listened to it every day on their drive from Los Angeles to Cal State Fullerton. So yeah. that's really that's great why, to hear. That, that's why I selected them, Graham. As soon as I said that, that was it. <laughs> that was it, right. <laughs> yeah, and I guess, you know, given the traffic in the LA area, they probably have a lot of time <laughs> to listen to the show. Um, yeah. But speaking of time, why don't we move on? This is a great, um, really interesting entry. I want to thank the person for submitting <laughs> their profile, and hopefully this advice has been useful. But let's move on and talk about Wiretaps candidate number two. All right, so this is another apply wire entry that you selected, Alex. And this candidate, it looks like, is has applied and is is hoping to start in the fall. They've got uh, Berkeley, Duke, Michigan, MIT, and NYU on the target list. They've been working in financial services, and they want to get into technology or maybe commercial banking. Companies that are on the list that they would like to work for include Bank of America, Capital One, Citibank, J.P. Morgan. This candidate has a 3.8 GPA, which they earned at a large public university, not very high ranked. It's a, they say, ranked in the kind of 70 to 120 range. Um, they studied marketing. They also have a 318 on the GRE. They've been working for five and a half years. They're located in the wonderful city of Philadelphia, and they have no post-MBA location preference. Uh, this candidate tells us that she is a 28-year-old white female, also LGBTQ, um, and has full sponsorship from the current employer where she works. Um, and she just submitted her apps in this round here. So, um, and I guess she actually only found that out after applying as well. So it sounds like the employer heard she was applying to business school and said, oh, well, we'll pay, we'll pay. But it was after she'd applied. So I guess she didn't mention it in her file. So Alex, what do you make of this though? I mean, we can talk more about her goals and, and some of the you know potential issues in her candidacy, but one of the questions that just came to my mind that I'd love for you to answer is, should she tell the schools that she's just applied to that it turns out she's sponsored or do you just wait for the interview for something like that? 
I was going to ask you that exact same question, Graham. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know the answer, so that's why I'm asking you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it might be worth alerting the schools. I yeah, um, I kind of agree. Yeah, I think you're it's, right. It's a positive signal, not not alerting the schools because the schools can think, well, we don't have to worry about um, finding a spot for this candidate. But it is a, a, a positive signal from their employer. Mm -hmm. So it might be worth um, following up and submitting it as a supplemental. Yeah. Um, um, thing to their profile. Yeah. The only issue that I that I could think of is if she has no intention of returning, <laughs> then it, it it sort of co could complicate things. I think her career goals, as she outlined them, is that she wants to do something in, um, I guess, in fintech, right? So fintech, yeah. So yeah. I guess yeah. if she could do that within the firm that she's working for, then maybe it's totally fine, and and she should. Um, yeah, I, I think on the margin, you're right. It's a very positive signal from the employer. And so even a, a, a kind of notification. But, 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 but you do raise an interesting point. If, if her goals, you know, as, as she articulated them, that obviously the programs have um, in, in those essays are um, counter to staying at her current firm, then maybe she shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. So the, anyway, she'll she'll know better than we will about that. But that's yeah. something. Yeah, I would think a short email or a little letter, you know, just uh, to to the committees, just saying, hey, I've just applied in round two, and after applying, I was alerted by my employer that they want to sponsor me and that I'll be can return. You know, but I I think she needs to think about whether she would return because that's important. One yeah. other thing I wanted to ask you yeah. about before you kind of offer up a general view on her, Alex, is she did mention she took the GMAT as well and had a six thirty. And then went out and took yeah. the GRE. And she was kind of curious whether she should have told schools about that GMAT score too. So anyway, I'll let you kind of unpack no. all this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, this seems like a good candidate, actually. I mean, a 3.8 GPA um, is decent. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing, Graham, is it from Drexel or Temple or, or somewhere somewhere like that? I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point. If she's in Philly, you're, yeah, I don't know. I mean, she mentioned public, yeah. so Temple. I guess. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's a good yeah, question. Yeah. So, so I mean, she 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 wants to go anywhere, in, 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 you know, location go anywhere. So she just she just wants to get out. Of oh Philadelphia. come on! <laughs> I knew you were going to um, find a way to <laughs> come back on yeah, that. Yeah. No, I mean, obviously, I, I'm joking, but I mean, she's working for Vanguard or for Fidelity or whatever. So it sounds like her work experience is actually really good. Yeah. Um, I th I think that's a real strength of 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 her candidacy. You combine that with a strong GPA good level of experience, um, active um, in, in ECs um, to some degree. And, and I like the fact that she mentors low-income high school students mm -hmm. um, in, and she's involved in local music and, and performance groups. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it seems like this is actually quite an interesting candidate who has a, 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 a re relatively weak um, standardized test score. Um, she's got a. I mean, she's proven that standardized tests is not her forte, but I don't think she wants to reveal how um, her, her previous GMAT to support that because it's really not going to add. Um, and, a, and I just don't think she needs to do that, um, quite honestly. Um, so I would say, yeah, if, if her GRE was stronger, I mean, she'd be a slam dunk for these types of programs. Um, but I do think, um, you know, with everything tied together, that um, given the market, you know, given her profile and everything, she's gonna, she's, she should do quite well amongst the programs she's targeting. She's targeting top 16, top 10, top 16, um, plus Sloan, 
Um, so, so she's not being overly ambitious, is my point, um, given her profile. So I, I, I think that, that she should do quite well. Yeah, you know, it's, this is a really interesting case because on the surface, you know, I would say, oh, you know, that the, the, the GRE is a little low and, you know, but as I kind of started to tally everything up, you know, so first of all, her percentiles on the GRE are the 70th and 74th yeah. for math and verbal and stuff. So, you know, they're, they're nicely balanced, right? It's not like one of them has fallen off a cliff or something. Um, I, you know, I agree with you, no reason to share that 630 GMAT because that feels lower than a 318 on the GRE, even though it's not, it just has a, <laughs> um, it's because schools tend to use the GRE to admit people with lower yeah. test scores. <laughs> I, I think, uh, but her point for sharing that is to show that she's, standardized tests are not her forte and she's gone at it to you know right. on several occasions to try to improve that aspect yeah i mean i think maybe and as a part of a discussion in an interview if it ever came up she could say you know i actually took the gmat as well and it d didn't go very well and i'm just you know it's just not my thing i think the gpa is a better reflection of how i perform as a student. yeah but i my view was that um I really like her career progress to date. Like, I think she's probably had an interesting career. And I love the way that her goals kind of dovetail, you know, really well with what she's done, right? So she's been working in finance and tech, and she wants to do fintech. So, you know, it fits perfectly. I also think, I mean, some advantages as a female, uh, LGBTQ. Um, and, you know, again, the goals make sense. I just feel like it's not like she's only wanting to go to Stanford either, right? I mean, she's got a good list of target schools that, as you say, are kind of top 16 or top 10, but not top five, right? So um, my fingers are crossed. Like, I, I feel like there's going to be one of these programs on her list that finds room for her, even though it is true that the test score jumps out as a bit of a weakness. Yeah. So that's my take. Yeah, but we see, like, when people got admitted in the first round, we do see folks getting admitted at top 16 programs with GRE scores at this level or even a little bit yeah. lower. So this this score is not, is the weakest element of her profile, mm -hmm. no doubt about mm -hmm. that, but it is within range. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, I think um, I yeah, fingers crossed. I I think she should be um, in in pretty good shape. Yeah. So um, best of luck to her. I want to thank her for her post. But I did want to ask you one more kind of a related admission strategy question, um, which comes back to. You know, with this, you know, she has these two scores, right? Three eighteen on the GRE, six thirty on the GMAT. And one of the things that I, I was thinking about is when a school is making an admissions decision. Let's imagine she submitted both of these scores. Do you think that most schools would just, when they're reporting or kind of dealing with her candidacy, kind of use the GRE score because they know that the average GRE is a little bit lower anyway um, for their program and that people are less likely to sort of scrutinize that? You know, it seems like when people talk about top MBA programs, they're often like, well, what's the average GMAT? You know, oh, it's 730, you know, so... Um, whereas you don't hear as much chatter about average GRE. And so I kind of wonder if, if someone was having this kind of situation, I feel like you're better off taking the GRE route in most instances. Um, in terms of, if you have the two scores, which one do you present if you're below average? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the 318, but also, as you pointed out, the quant score at 161 um, is, is somewhat reassuring. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I'm not saying there are any cutoffs, but anything over 160, on, on the quant side, I think is, 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 um, is keeps you in, in play, it, yeah. Provides a little bit of a, a, assurance. Yeah. 
and the verbal side's 157 so it's not too far off the mark yeah. um so so i i think um yeah she, she's gone the right route by reporting the, the gre score yeah Okay. Um, sounds good. All right. Well, again, thank her for her post. Wish her the best of luck. Hopefully she will keep us posted and keep tuning into the podcast um, as, as we move into the, you know, the kind of decision phase and, and interviews and everything else. Um, let's move on, though, and talk about Wiretap's candidate number three. So this entry, uh, Alex, is a decision wire entry that you selected. And Unusually, this person's already decided where they want to go, but you picked this one, I think, because there's some stuff to talk about, right? So this person applied to Cornell, Dartmouth, Michigan, Kellogg, Wharton, and Vanderbilt. And it turns out that they ran the table, okay? They got into Cornell with $150,000. They got into Dartmouth, who gave them $50,000. They got into Ross with an $80,000 scholarship. Kellogg gave them $90,000. Uh, no money from Wharton, but they were admitted. And then Vanderbilt um, offered them a $160,000 scholarship. So lots of dollars and lots of great results. Um, this candidate has indicated that after those results, they've decided they're going to Michigan, Ross. They're going to start in the fall. Um, they want to do consulting and they would love to work at Bain, BCG, or McKinsey. Their GMAT score was a 710. They're located in New York. And in their note, they say, I was lucky enough to be accepted at all the schools to which I applied. I thought I'd be the best fit culturally at Cornell Johnson or Michigan Ross, so kind of two smaller, um, kind of close-knit programs, uh, which both have excellent outcomes for consulting. Despite the larger scholarship at Johnson, I'm choosing Michigan Ross for the location, sports culture, and MAP, which is that experiential learning um, project that they offer. And then uh, this person writes, go blue, which is a kind of a call, rallying cry for Michigan uh, grads, right? So, um, so Alex, what made you pick this out? Because I didn't understand it. <laughs> well, you didn't understand that they're, why they're choosing Ross? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely reasons why you would choose Ross. So I, I'm not um, highlighting this because I don't think Ross is a great program. I absolutely do. But given the choices that this candidate has, um, I think nine out of 10 others with the same choice would have selected differently. Mm, Okay. Um, So there must be something um, tied to their their own unique sort of um, set of circumstance that highlights Ross that we're not privy to um, in in terms of what they've made available to us. I've I've got a guess, right? Mm. So it might be something to do with their partner, if they've got family or, or whatever it might be. Because at the end of the day, they're choosing Ross uh, with money um, um, over Kellogg uh, with money, and, and they want MBB. Um, so, so you think, well, actually, Kellogg's probably close to the top of the heap there for, for, for consulting placement mm-hmm. and for, for, for MBB. Obviously, I'm a huge fan of Wharton, um, and you know, Wharton would be another tier above. Um, 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 Kellogg to some extent, although Warren's not offering any money. I mean, I think sometimes people forget the higher the tier of the program, the better the quality of candidates you're around and, and so on and so forth. That has to come to play to some level. Um, so, so I was just a little bit puzzled um, by, by this entry. <laughs> but then on the other side, you could say, well, actually, this is a really good um, um, sort of um, 
decision to, to discuss because it's not all um, straightforward. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always mean the higher the, t- the tier of the program, the higher the ranking of the program um, means that that's the program you should go to. There are always other factors yeah. that dictate that choice. Yep. I just don't know that we know these factors. Yeah, I, my, when I saw this, I thought, you know, I wonder what else is coming into play. Because, yeah, you could slice this so many different ways. Like one of the ways that I initially sliced it is I thought, okay, if money is the main concern, then, you know, Vanderbilt at 160 and Cornell at 150, you start to say, okay, well, Cornell's a higher ranking program and they're giving you basically the same amount as Vanderbilt. So Cornell becomes really interesting. Um, it does seem like this person was really drawn to kind of a close-knit um, you know, kind of maybe a smaller program or something. And so that's why maybe Cornell and Ross bubbled to the surface. But then you could sort of argue that Tuck is in a, a tier yeah. above both of those schools and Tuck's giving them 50 grand. So not, you know, right. obviously Cornell still looks like a really good option if money is your main um, concern and maybe a close-knit community. But then if you slice it another way and you say, wait a second, let's just look at MBB placements. You know, I want to work at McKinsey or Bain or BCG and I, you know, I'm going to go to a program that's going to make that um, possible. Well, then Wharton and Kellogg come right up to the top, right? I mean, those are the two biggies. And I would argue Tuck does really well in that domain. I, I recall um, from an earlier podcast we recorded that they sent like 40% or more into consulting this past season. So those would be the three that really um, jump out at me, right, for those types of jobs. So yeah, it is a little, it's a little confusing. The thing that jumped out at me most though, actually, is that Ross is offering 80 and Kellogg's offering 90. And and so I was yeah I was just kind of puzzled by by that one given that Kellogg's probably really able to put this person into MBB um, as could Ross right but I I think you would argue that there are more people from Kellogg each year who go off to those firms right by by volume um, so yeah it's just interesting maybe they should negotiate with Ross and and up that money yeah that was based one. off of Kellogg's offer <laughs> yeah that's true they could go to Ross and say hey Kellogg's offering me ninety I would love to be a part of you know Go Blue et cetera. you know I'm I'm I want to come here but is there anything you can do um, because that's a classic right. case of a school that you know Ross would probably say you know oh Kellogg's a little bit ahead of us and so but if we give this person a bit more money we're going to win that head to head which is a big yeah. win for Ross right so. Yeah, anyway, yeah. yeah, I totally agree. I love Ross's program, and I get why someone would be drawn to the sports culture, the location. It's like a quintessential kind of college town experience and a great, um, you know, it's a really good experiential learning program. And I think if this person works hard, they're going to land on their feet and get their job at McKinsey as they as they wish, right? But I, I just, yeah, it was an interesting one. I'm glad that you selected it because there are a lot of factors, and people don't always just, as you say, go to the school that's highest ranked or, you know, they gave them the kind of best combination of money and rank. Right. So, um, really interesting. (laughs) Uh, yeah, yeah, this person's in New York now, so maybe they want to get out of kind of a city environment. That was another thing that was on my mind too. So, um, which could be playing a role. But again, if if that's the case, top top's probably a good... (laughs) Yeah. But then they want the sports angle, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, there's a yeah. lot. Yeah. yeah. So in any event, I do want to wish this person the best of luck if they're tuned in and congratulate them. I mean, this is a really you know stellar results uh, on their applications. And and yeah, and as you said earlier, like sometimes, I mean, their GMAT's a little below the average at these top schools, but they've gotten into a bunch of them and, and with money. So congratulations to them. And that hopefully gives a little bit of... Uh, um, puts, puts our second candidate this week at ease, who has a slightly lower test score, but you know, should, should land on her feet as well. So we'll, we'll see. Um, Alex, thanks for, do you, yeah. do, do you think this person should apply, should have applied to Harvard or Stanford in round two? You know, it does raise that question, right? I mean, they ran the table, um, 
Yeah, yeah that's a good question. I think um, you know, it's it, only they would know the answer in terms of what they're looking for, right? If it if it fits and stuff. And I would argue that, frankly, like you know, the likes of Kellogg and Wharton and and that that sort of you know tier right after Harvard and Stanford tend to send more people to MBB, I think, right? Because they, yeah, yeah. they have such a high percentage of their classes going into that. So anyway, it's a, yeah, that's all up for debate, but congratulations to that person. Um, and Alex, yeah. thanks for picking these out. We had three really interesting cases this week um, to discuss and we'll do it all next week if you're willing. And uh, yeah, thanks again for all your work on this. Very good. Stay safe, everyone. Take care.